fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's your boy, the Wolf of Roto Street, RotoStreetJournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves. Here a day early for our DFS preview, but that's because I am thrilled to welcome on. I don't even know how many times at this point because the dude's an absolute legend. That is Ian Harditz of Pro Football Focus. Ian, how you doing, my man? Great to be back, man. We've been talking ball for years now, and uh, yeah. I think we've both grown, become better, more mature men now. We're still just <laughs> still just guys being dudes talking fantasy football, but that yeah. is always what makes it fun. So yeah, bro, great to uh, be back on the fantasy fullback dive. Absolutely, man. As, as you say that, I'm literally like sipping my three o'clock beer after, after the work day. So yeah, great mature young men over here. Absolutely. But uh, seasoned wolves for sure. Fantasy. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but yeah, how's the season been rolling for you, brother? And uh, redraft, DFS, everything going smooth? How, have you seen these chopper plays, man? No, it's not going <laughs> smooth. But uh, no, it's it's all been good overall. Look, I've never, you know, it's tout and these kind of words get thrown around our industry. I've never been someone that's, you know, pretended to, you know, just have this key to winning these giant GPPs or, you know, one of these just guys that's just taken down, you know, high stake, one high stake league after. Look, I have plenty of success and everything, but to me, our goal is ultimately to provide as much information, you know, as much good information as possible to everyone. So, you know, I'm still out there. I've watched every single game this season, if not live with the you know nfl game pass condensed version looking at every advanced metric and stat to try to give everyone the best uh, look so you know what for me it's usually uh, as weird as it sounds i mean man it's like you know, sometimes if i'm losing my season-long matchups but i got a few of you know the plays that i kind of stuck my neck out for uh, on the week if those go well even if they don't necessarily benefit me usually has me feeling better so we'll take the uh you know slightly rocky first half of the year i'm, I'm confident the second half will be uh much better but again man it's always i think uh, you know i hate being the guy that's like uh you know process over results because if your process is right the results at some point should also uh, be looking pretty right i think that's kind of an easy way to fall back when you're just losing but i do think you know generally that is the right uh, way to go about things and so i'm going to continue to try to refine that process but i'm happy with the work that we put out so far 100 man you've been crushed i know the early choppers a couple uh didn't smash but didn't <laughs> you, you nailed a herbert what just a couple weeks ago i won some money on DraftKings, and your hey. your chopper prediction was the one that Sent it over the edges. Like, I really like this guy. I, I don't want to go all in. And I saw you in. I was like, I'm going for it. This is the one. This is the one that's going to take off. And I uh, exploded. So here they come, man. The, the second half of the season, they're going to light see. it up. I love it. Um, but yeah, and anybody tuned in, if you don't mind giving us a thumbs up, regardless of where you're at, YouTube, Facebook, the little hearts on Periscope, it means the world. It helps us get out to more people. Uh, we're going to, again, preview the DFS slate. And I always like to just kind of start by looking at the games because that informs so much is what is Vegas saying about these games? Where's the points factory is going to come from? Um, and we'll just start at the top with uh, what do you think is going to be the game that is a lock to go to Berserk uh, after all these ones? Give me the Raiders and the Chargers, man. I just think that these games, these two offenses, two legit good offenses. I mean, we keep waiting for a, you know, a floor game to come from Herbert, and it will at some point. And no rookie's going to play this good again and again and again. But going up against PFF, single worst defense and team coverage grade, I'm not sure this is the week that Herbert really comes back to earth. And then Derek Carr, look, I've made, and over these past few offseasons, I've made fun of Derek Carr more than anybody out there on a Twitter sphere. Any gif I can find that, you know, looks like someone struggling with pressure or not throwing downfield, like I'm fine 
firing that stuff off like <laughs> no tomorrow. But, you know, look, we got to evolve as the season's going on. Derek Carr has been truly playing, in my opinion, the best football of his career here in 2020. You know, he's never been this guy that can't throw downfield. He's just been hesitant to do so. And we really saw them. We've seen them with Henry Ruggs healthy get back to doing that. And we saw, you know, just the peak version of this Raiders offense against the Chiefs before their yeah. bye. So they had that awesome game. And they had a bye. And they play, you know, a juggernaut Tampa Bay defense that pretty much defanged the only team we've seen defang Aaron Rodgers throughout this entire year. And then last week, I mean, that in the week of all weather games, I mean, none of them were worse than that Raiders Brown spot. So I just think, you know, against this Chargers defense, that looks like they could be without Joey Bosa too. I just think both offenses could be able to move the ball up and down the field here. I love that pick. That's that's definitely my uh, favorite. Besides, I love Seattle and Buffalo too. And that's, that's kind of the obvious one. It's no surprise, but this is the week after three straight weeks of Josh Allen struggles. I, I feel like Seattle, that it's just been such a recipe. I think, what, f- three of the winning lineups have come with some sort of stack involving the Seahawks, and that's because they go nuclear and their defense can't stop the other team on the other side. So 55 and a half uh, over under right now, I'm smashing that over, and I'm smashing that game to go crazy. And I'm going to be forming a lot of my lineups because of that. Is there any game that you you expect to underwhelm that's looking pretty big for points on the slate? There's a lot of uh, kind of games with these 50 over-unders, but I do think the Falcons-Broncos is one that sticks out to me that mm-hmm. might not go quite as smooth as everyone thinks. And we'll talk about it. I think Drew Locke and the Falcons, like if you want to stack that offense, they're so cheap that it's fine to kind of go after them some in tournaments. But don't be afraid to get that Falcons defense and lineups that uh, you don't really have the Denver guys in because Drew Locke's a lot of fun. Highest average target death in the league. Swag just swag meter off the charts. You yeah. know, I love the guy. I want him to be good. But he's ultimately <laughs> had 10 starts. Only two of them I've really been fancy viable uh, to this point so it makes sense that this is the third one the falcons you know are a bad enough defense against qbs that we can see where it kind of goes off but you know also a whole lot of examples of drew lock really not being a this all, all great of a real life or fantasy quarterback and then the other side of the ball look i mean we saw matt ryan without julio jones this year it didn't look good at all i, I think julio is better than Calvin Ridley, but Ridley is freaking awesome. And if he's going to be out, that's not good for the offense either. So I don't really expect them to be functioning as uh, highly as they would be with a fully healthy supporting cast. You look at Ryan's career, uh, shout out Rotoviz, their awesome um, adjusted yards per attempt app, but mm-hmm. Ryan's most uh, efficient receivers in his entire career. For some reason, Taylor Gabriel's number one, but then Calvin Ridley's number two and Julio Jones is number three. So again, Julio more important than Ridley. I'm not trying to make that argument, but you look at this Falcons offense and they really are one injury away at pretty much every skill position from being in a problem you know with all due respect to christian blake and alamity zakaias however the hell you say that guy's name i'm just not sure they're going to have the firepower to put up the usual points we see and you know the broncos defense they've been banged up all year but you know as we kind of see with the 49ers you know vic fangio uh you know and, and robert Soled, like the guy the their defenses are always going to be so well coached. It's not exactly the type of match where I'm looking to, uh, you know, expect a ton of points from. So I'm maybe, you know, some parts from this game. I'm fine with Julio. And again, some of the Broncos guys are cheaps, but uh, you know, in terms of full on game stack, there's just other games. I think I'd rather have more uh, overall exposure to. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that one. I'm off Matty ice and the Falcons when he has one of his big weapons out. It's been a huge impact quarterback, 27 quarterback, 25 and quarterback 25 in the three games. Matty ice did not have Julio for the full game. Uh, not impressive totals. And for a stack to work, I I'm with you. I think the Denver Broncos could put up some points early, but you need both sides to operate if it's going to be a really true game stack. So I'm with you there. I'm also kind of skeptical of that Detroit uh, Minnesota game. Obviously if, 
Stafford doesn't play, that's going to have a huge impact. But also just in general, I, I could see that game with Dalvin Cook. He could just be bleeding clock all day and just limit the, the real pace of that game. I don't know. I feel like Detroit always looks sexy to stack against, and it just never ends up paying out the, the way I want it to. So I, I'm kind of avoiding that one as well. Um, is there any game that like is kind of under the radar that you think could blow up as well? This is the last game question, but it's always good to consider. Uh, a lot of the best values come from those games that don't look great on paper and then end up just going crazy out of nowhere. Is there any games you think could fit that bill this week? Yeah, I like your points about Lions, Vikings as well, particularly with Stafford not being there this week, not having yeah. Kenny Galladay, uh, similar issues to that Falcons team. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, Bears-Titans is one that, you know, could potentially shoot out a little bit. Not so much like with Foles that I think he's going to have this awesome game, but the Bears offense is condensed enough with Allen Robinson, you know, just eating the targets and Dave Montgomery eating all the backfield snaps. You could definitely see a way where Tannehill keeps playing like the top 10 quarterback he's been over the past two years. We know that offense is condensed. So it's really, you know, you can make this Tannehill Corey Davis, AJ Brown, and bring it back with Allen Robinson or even Montgomery. And I think, uh, you know, it's a situation where the ceiling's going a little bit underrated on what they could do in this game. And the other side of the coin, man, we've all, we've both been over the Derrick Henry, you know, winter is coming uh, type of thing coming up. I don't think this Bears defense is as, you know, worrisome as, you know, people were kind of making out to be. Like, you look at what, what made Dalvin Cook such a great play last week? It's because that he was that high pressure running back that didn't have you know too worrisome of a matchup. But they were just you know Kamara was in a better spot, and I, I forget who the other guy was. That was it was probably Henry. There was just someone else that had all. Yeah, okay, it was Henry. So we're seeing that again this week where McCaffrey, uh, Kamara, and then even James Robinson like they're getting higher ownership than Henry because okay they're in a little bit better spots. But come on, man, it just takes yeah. one or two with Henry. And I just this Bears defense they're actually the, they're the second worst defense in the league in explosive run play rate allowed and they're bottom five in yards before contact allowed per rush so might not be as bad of a spot as we think with henry and really i mean any matchup if they're playing the steelers without their offensive line i still think henry probably deserves some gpp exposure uh, more weeks than that so yeah i'd say bears titans is the one that you know of these uh you know likely drudge fest we could actually see some points yeah, that's actually the same exact pick that I have. So, mm-hmm. and for all really the main same minds. that I have too. Absolutely. The Titans just play at such a, a fast, neutral pace that I think they could put up their points early and the, their secondary is atrocious. I mean, the second most points allowed to wide receivers, depending on the, the format and scoring. So as bad as Foles is, we've seen him sling it every now and again. And if Tannehill and, and Henry put up those points early, you know, I love that run back of, of Robinson. I like Darnell Mooney at 3,900. 3, I think they could end up putting up like 28 late points. It might come after they're down by three scores, but I like that one to definitely hit the over uh, 46 and a half is what the last I saw. I think that's going 50, even if that's just the Titans putting up. I mean, other than I think that Steelers game, they put up at least 32 and often 40 points in uh, like the last five weeks. So I think they continue that trend and the bears have the firepower to kind of hit on the other side, if Foles can just fucking connect for a couple of those <laughs> for Darnell Mooney. Um, but yeah, we, we preview those games because it informs our stacks. That's the most important part. That's the backbone of any DFS lineup. In fact, I was revisiting, um, I have a great piece. Well, I mean, I, a lot of people have said it's great. I like you it. You have I a great piece. Great. Own it. Own it. Uh, it's, it's, it's some of my better work I've ever put up on the site, man. It's uh, I, I've looked at all eight millimakers makers of the year and kind of, cross compared it with Levitin's great piece from the summer where he did uh, the Millie maker trends of all the top tens from the last three years. And I just kind of looked at what like, you know, trends continued on in 2020 and what new ones may have emerged for the people winning it. And so 
Entering the year, obviously, you, everyone knows stacking. 93.6% of top 10 lineups had stacked their quarterback and at least one teammate. And 41.2% had a qu- quarterback and two weapons. But this year, not only is it just stacking one, seven of eight have featured at least two weapons. Uh, so 87.5% have been that double stack. And so getting the quarterback right, getting the white right weapons to go with them, and then also seven of eight have ran it back with somebody on the other team, which was about 35% entering the year. So both of those have kind of skyrocketed in terms of the popularity of stacking, the success of stacking, and then also running it back on the other side. That's been like the big key trend of the year so far. Not that it's always going to be that way, but it is everybody knows it's important. So do you have a favorite quarterback and at least one weapon, if not double stack in mind and, and who are you going to run it back with if you do it? Yeah. So I, you know, keeping on that Texans, uh, excuse me, not Texans. Oh yeah. Okay. Texans Jaguars game. One I like here we have, because I, I think, you know, if you look at cash game lineups in particular and you just want to kind of get that floor, I know Josh Allen's there for that Seahawks game. I hate getting away from that because it, it is a good point that yeah. that one will be shooting out, but getting Jamal Adams back. I know he was getting cooked by Edelman, but just a little bit of concerns with what's going to happen with that Buffalo offense. So I think if we can get the Texans, man, Deshaun Watson is averaging more fantasy points this year than he did in 2019 or 2018. I mean, it's no Hopkins really has been no problem. I think it's a little bit like what we saw with the Panthers, not mm-hmm. having McCaffrey, obviously one McCaffrey over Mike Davis, but when your entire offense doesn't go as exclusively through one guy, a little bit harder for defenses to uh, tee off on you. So I think going Watson with Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and then we bring it back with LaVisca Chenault at just 4,200 on DraftKings. I think it makes a lot of sense, man. We got Chenault with that kind of post bye week potential rookie bump that we've seen, you know, with Swift and some other guys this season. And just, you know, I don't know much about Jake Lutton, but you look at his kind of advanced stats from college and it paints the paints the portrait of kind of a game manager check down guy. So I know DJ Chark's been out there wanting a new quarterback and all that, but man, like if anything, Gardner was the one that was going to give him the higher ceiling with, you yeah. know, him being a little more willing to toss it downfield. So LaVisca is someone that gets his rush attempts. He's already been pretty involved. And I think that could even take a further step up. So I like that. And then the uh, last other point I make about the chargers game, I think my preferred stack with that would be Carr, Waller rugs, and then bring it back. Maybe Justin Jackson uh, on the chargers side, because, you know, you look at these situations, Situations where Jackson, the backfield's been moving around a little bit. Troy Main Pope came out of nowhere last week and kind of stunted uh, Josh Kelly's involvement. But throughout it all, Jackson has been the lead back. So expecting that to continue in an under 5K, man, that's just one of the cheaper running backs, maybe the cheapest running back that we can confidently project uh, 15 touches for. And then it rugs over Aguilar because it looks like Brian Edwards is going to be back this week. And it's, you know, he's. Edwards is, was the starter, and then Aguilar is now the starter because uh, Edwards has been out. So Aguilar's been playing some great ball, but I just think we're going to see some sort of a split situation there. Haven't seen quite the huge blow-up game from Ruggs, and we always know Waller is Carr's guy. So Carr, Waller, Ruggs, and Jackson, and then also Watson, Fuller, Cooks, and Chennault are my favorite double stacks and running backs of Week 9. Love it, love it, love it. You you kind of hinted at one that I have down, and and probably a lot of people. That's the the Seahawks and uh, Buff game, and I love Josh Allen to bounce back. I'm hoping his recent struggles will keep people off and keep the ownership down. He's looking to be right around the the top five owned quarterbacks, but not necessarily the, the highest right now. That's looking like Russell. Uh, I think just with John Brown at 4,600, that's a great price for him. This is the exact type of secondary he can go off against. And Diggs, we've seen the, the Seahawks are allowing plus 12 points per adjusted uh, against receivers, by far the most, including number ones, and then second most to number twos. I just think it's all lighting up for this Buffalo team to get back on track. You know Russ is going to put up his points. The Buffalo defense has been nothing special this year. So I love them. And I do love tar- targeting that Raiders game too. I like the other side of it, uh, 
just as much, if not more than the Raiders, but you make some great points in terms of especially saving some value on those players. Um, But Herbert's been balling, man. So I I love getting him in at 6,800. I think he could definitely have another top five week in him. Of course, Keenan Allen with like a 40% target share at this point with, uh, with Herbert makes sense, but you could also sneak in Mike Willie. Um, Justin Jackson is a great play and he could catch, uh, plenty of balls and make it like one of those quarterback and, and running back stacks that do fit. So those are my my two favorites. Do you have a, a like a value stack? I think you suggested them earlier in the the, the day. Uh, but is there like one value stack that's really standing out to you? You can make like the cheapest four man game stack, double stack possible with this Denver offense, man. Drew Locke, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, if he's back, it looks like he hasn't practiced this week with the hamstring injury. We'll see what the designation is. And then if Calvin Ridley's out, we got Christian Blake at the stone cold 3K mark, everyone. So, you know, every time it's Julio week, it seems like it's not Julio week. So you're taking a chance not having him there. But man, if you wanted to line up, you know, trying to squeeze Dalvin and Henry in there or something like that, and you really need to save some money, I do think attacking that. Broncos game from that standpoint uh, makes sense. Just not, I mean, someone I was on show earlier and they were asking, you know, like, Drew Locke and Cash, like, no, I do not have the stomach for that. As someone that loves that dude's swag, even I can't get behind him uh, quite that much. And also, I point out that, you know, just another situation where if you want to go away from quarterbacks and looking at a running back defense, I think Antonio Gibson and the Washington football team defense uh, makes a lot of sense. Nobody's been pressured more than Daniel Jones this year. And we've seen Washington against the Eagles in week one, against the Cowboys last time we see them. I mean, that D line is good enough to just take over games at certain points and you know Gibson his role as it stands is fine it's 12 to 15 carries with you know three to five targets and if this potential po- another potential post by rookie bump if McKissick gets further out of the situation then we're looking at a true RB1 workload so Gibson talented enough to make the most of it even if we don't get the usage shift if we do get the usage shift look the hell out people Absolutely. Yeah. Coming off his career high too. I, I love the Gibson call. I think that's a fantastic one. Just a, that classic running back defense stack is a great one. You picked my value stack. I love that Broncos yeah. game. Judy, you know, the expected fantasy points, you know, Scott Barrett writes a great series every week. And he really, that was his highlight player of the article this week is how much he has been running wide open, should be crushing it and just hasn't. Sure, Maybe this is the week that tilts into his favor and at only 4,700. I mean, that's, that's a crazy price. The only other one I'd toss out is, you know, Kyle is going to be putting up his points. So maybe Tua on the other side, Parker at 5,200, I get, he didn't do much against Jalen Ramsey, but nobody's done anything against Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I could see that being a sneaky one. If that connection gets rolling, the running game is not going to be existing because who knows who's going to be the breed is not playing. Gaskin's going to be out or breed. Who knows? He's up in the air. So if Jordan Howard's the only presence there, then I could see them just going full blown, Let's air it out with Tua all day and see what this kid has. Um, so I, I don't mind that one either at right around 10K for, for the stacking uh, price. Yeah. Yeah. On that one, especially, I, I think you're probably better off building the stack around Kyler and the Arizona offense. But if you want to bring it back with Parker and particularly, man, Mike Tosicki, because that Isaiah Ford trade, I know people are like, you know, kind of talk themselves in Antonio Callaway and he'll probably get some run and everything. But look, Mike Tosicki hasn't been able to play a full allotment of snaps because of Isaiah Ford. Tosicki yeah. has played, I think it's 89% of his snaps in the slaughter out wide. He's called a tight end but the dude is a wide receiver so to me when i heard isaiah ford got traded my first thought was this is great news for mike jesicki tight end man if you can't pay all the way up you know to waller or kelsey pretty much a wasteland you see jesicki sitting right there at 4400 michael a little bit under him with you know hearse and ebron kind of taking um uh, more of the you know just ownership there so i'm with you i can't trust Tua yet they look so bad last week man but look look he's, he's gonna throw for more than 98 yards uh more weeks than not and so if, if it is gonna go through anyone this past 
passing game. I think it's Parker one and then just Seki two of the most likely guys. Love it. Yeah, great insight too. Exactly. I'm not looking to go to a too, uh, too in depth, but at the price, it's a decent pivot away from everyone going on lock. And I guess you could toss out like Chase Daniels if he's the starter. I think he's 4,100 or something like that at quarterback. So, I mean, when you get a quarterback for a bare minimum price that's yeah. facing the Vikings' awful corners, maybe you could preserve the Marvin Jones value too uh, as a couple value stack toss outs. Um, but moving forward now with our next segment, hold on one sec. I got a, uh, our buddy made a couple transition videos. <laughs> a little chalk talk action. Yeah. I, love it. I love it. Oh yeah. I got to get the uh, action in there. Um, but one, one of the big addition to the uh, stacks, of course, Chalk has been also paramount, both what's the right one to eat and and who do you fade? Uh, in, in general, this year, there's 75% of the lineups have had either 20% owned only one of them or none of them. So if you go more than two, if you go two or more, uh, 20% or higher, you're putting yourself at a pretty distinct disadvantage, at least according to this year. Again, every lineup's different. There have been some lineups that have had three 20% plus that have won the Millie. So it's not a lock, but just the trend is so far 75% have been at least uh, only one or zero of the, uh, of the 20% or higher owned. So we got to be careful in how many of these guys we shove into our lineup. And I've been just checking out the uh, PFF ownership projections. It's looking like we got Dalvin cook 24%. I'll, I'll give out just like the top few names. And you tell me if any of these are you're like, yep, forcing them in no matter what, or I'm going to, I'm going to fade that guy, Dalvin cook, Julio Jones, Keenan, Kelsey Robinson and Lockett are leading off like the top six guys in projected ownership. Are those any of those guys you're like, yep, got to eat it. Going to have them in my lineup no matter what. And any that you're like, no, I'm going to pivot away. I think you can, I think there's kind of viable options to pivot almost uh, off of almost all of them, man. Like, look, I understand Dalvin went off last week. If you can get up that high, that's great, but he doesn't really have that big of a pass down role consistently. You know, if we're paying more than 8K for a running back, you kind of want it to be for an Alvin Kamara type, or even if they don't find the end zone, you know, we're getting eight or so receptions. So he's going to be meeting value anyway. For me, I look at that, you know, just the top five, eight running backs this week. And I, I just don't know why James Conner isn't far and away the highest, you know, projected guy because look, we don't have enough time on this show man and talk about all the running backs that balled out against the cowboys this year like i know they're getting a little healthier randy gregory's done some things leighton vanderesh uh playing a little bit better ball but i mean just watching that eagles game i thought chris collins were set at best like it just almost doesn't make sense how bad this defense has been at you know giving up explosive plays on the ground and the steelers offense man if any if they've been anything this year it truly has been a more of a game managing type of offense that we've seen a you know, big ben career low average target depth and my problems with james connor start the year was that he had more of this kind of Kenyon Drake, David Johnson role where he was getting 15 to 20 carries, but not as much pass down usage and snaps were closer to 70% than 90%. That's changed in recent weeks. Over the past two weeks, we've seen Connor kind of get that true 2014 to 2018 Pittsburgh Steelers like you are not leaving the field RB1 role. And again, absolute dream matchup. I would just be very shocked if Connor's finishing below 100 yards without, you know, a score or two. And I just think, you know, Robinson, he's been playing great all year. I love the guy, but, you know, with a new quarterback under center, that's a little iffy uh dalvin cook in this vikings offense we know he's gonna get the rock man but we've seen the floor in this vikings offense and it kind of pops up randomly so if he is going to be the highest on back uh, i do like going to connor and we talked about derrick henry a little bit earlier uh with the wide receivers i just think that 
for tournaments at least. I mean, you know, Keenan, Julio, these guys are great, but Allen Robinson it probably has a similar target projection with them. It hasn't been as pretty because Nick Foles is the one throwing in the ball. But as we were talking about with that Bears Titans game, I think it could surprise people with some of the points that are being put up. And then also I would say in that range, a Wolf Fuller is just as viable to put up points as you know your Tyler Lockett's and Keenan Allen's of the world. Kind of a squeaky wheel spot for Wolf Fuller. I mean, they were dangling him in trade talks all all, all yeah. over the last week. I mean, he's been putting up great numbers all year. The only reason they have a bigger game uh, you know, against the Packers before because he had to deal with Jair Alexander's shadow coverage uh, the whole time out. So he truly is still a Texans number one wide receiver, and he's got a Jaguars secondary. I don't think anyone can really guard him in it. So uh, don't be afraid to go to these, you know, Houston-Jacksonville games, uh, just the Houston versus Jacksonville game in particular, instead of maybe, you know, the more chalky Seattle-Buffalo matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love all those calls. You you really outlined the, my biggest pivot of the week, and that is going to Derrick Henry uh, away from Dalvin Cook. I, yeah. Cook could absolutely destroy. Detroit's given up, what, the second or third most to running back? So it is a dream spot a, a week after that. Maybe it's just one of those hot streaks where he just starts going for three touchdowns every week. I wouldn't be shocked. So I will have a lineup or two that, that you have to have Dalvin type of thing. But I, with with you know, Henry coming in at less than half of his ownership. I, I'm all about all those cases you outlined. I don't think the Bears are that great against the run. They're, they're pretty good on the outside against their receivers. I think it's the lowest or second lowest to uh, outside wide receivers. But once you get inside to tight ends and to running backs, they are very uh, more vulnerable relatively, at yeah. least. So I love Derrick Henry. I think that's a great pivot as well. Um, I'm huge into Stefan Diggs this week, of course, because I'm stacking um, with with Josh Allen, but pivot pivot on away from Julio for me, pivot away from Keenan Allen, and give me all the digs. I think he's going to destroy that secondary. He's in line with them playing comeback mode. Uh, Ten or so catches. Allen Robinson, my other big pivot that you highlighted too. So we're aligned with a lot of these guys this week, which I like. I guess we're going to both be millionaires. There we go. Uh, (laughs) So I'm with you though. I'm I'm not really into this chalk. Uh, A couple of recent weeks, it was like, come I couldn't get off of it. Uh, you know, th- there's been a few of those guys that just like, no matter what cream hunt last week, I was like, I can't get off of it. Sure. Wish as hell I did. Uh, so there's been a few chocks I've eaten and, and I haven't been right on, but man, I, I'm feeling pretty good about pivoting away for when, when Henry's your pivot, like, <laughs> you know, when, when Dick's going to see 15 targets and he's your pivot. I'm all about all of those um, myself. So the next thing we do cover those is some of these mid-round blow-ups, and they could be people we already talked about. It could be a different name, uh, but so many of lineups have hinged upon those like six to seven K guys, and then five to six K will be the next question. Those running backs and wide receivers that end up going for like thirty and five times in their price. It, that's where we we end up really making the money. Of course, you can put in Adams at eighty-eight hundred, and he's going to score thirty. That's great. It's it's, it's never going to hurt. But can you find that guy that? 6,200, 6,300 that ends up also going for 35 has been the key. Are there there are two uh, running backs or wide receivers that you love in that range this week? Yeah, you know, I talked about him before, but I think James Conner at 6,900. It's yeah. impossible to get away from this guy in this spot. Just play guys against the Cowboys defense. It's yep. worked all season long. I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. Even if the defense, like, plays better in this game, like, I, I don't even think the Cowboys offense will be able to move the ball. So we're going to have consistently great field position. The Cowboys, they still operate at a high pace, even though Dak Prescott is gone. It's like they're just, that's why this offense has scored, like, what is it, like 16 points over the past three weeks because Dak and Dalton are out of the picture and they're still trying to do the same freaking thing, 
man. It's infuriating to watch. Like, you know, listen, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Come on, Cowboys, get your freaking shit together, man. You don't have the same firepower. Do something different. Play to your freaking player strengths. As long as they are not continuing to do that, I do think James Conner is just in a can't miss spot. I would say a wide receiver, man. I think, you know, I mentioned squeaky wheel potential for uh, one of these guys. Uh, Oh, uh, Will Fuller potentially. I think Marquise Brown is the other one that's sticking Mm -hmm. out a little bit. I know he's been disappointing, but look, the two targets last week, that's an anomaly. I mean, he has actually been the number one receiver in this offense in terms of targets, particularly in terms of air yards. You know, I got some flack for saying this a few weeks ago and everyone's going, oh, Mark Andrews is still number one guy. I understand when they're in the red zone that Lamar is, you know, looking for Andrews, but either way, it's way more of a 1A, 1B thing than it was last year. They want to get Marquise involved. And look, I mean, he he hasn't had great opportunities. Lamar's missed him a lot on downfield throws this year. But, I mean, if you look at it overall, like, it really hasn't been that bad for him. They just, you know, if one or two of those big-time throws uh, come through, I think, uh, you know, we'd have a lot different opinion of him. And he's been getting open in secondary. So, you know, last week uh, with my failed chopper, I went with Kenny Galladay. And, you know, every, everyone's like, oh, not the great chop picking the goose egg, man. But it's like, you know, the reason why I picked him, the reason why people didn't think it would work was because of this, you know, vaunted Colts defense. I thought they were overrated. They really haven't played anyone and look what happened last week Matthew Stafford like 350 passing yards right. three touchdowns Jones caught two touchdowns Marvin Hall out over 100 <laughs> everybody yards. But, yeah everybody, everybody but the number one wide receiver on the Lions had a great game <laughs> so that, that's how that works out but either way now that same Colts defense and uh Rich Rebar made a really good point uh, he's over there with sharp football one of the best analysts in the game yeah. uh, but he was talking about I, I believe the number was only five or six games that Lamar Jackson has played you know off of just like pure grass you know that's what we're always seeing in those AFC North games so you know not sure if it's, uh, you know, proven by much evidence or anything. I'll have to hit up the, uh, you know, PFF Ultimate this weekend and try to verify. But, you know, you put that Lamar Jackson, that Hollywood Brown speed on turf. I'm getting I'm, I'm getting a little tight in the pants just thinking about it. <laughs> I love it. That stack. Oh, man. Now I'm stacking down low and I'm stacking that DFS <laughs> for that, man. Oh, I love it. That's that's a, I, I did not consider that point about the turf. That's that's intriguing. That that speed on that turf. I like that a lot and the squeaky wheel, especially because he's complaining and Lamar is coming out and be like, yeah, it's my fault. Like yep. they're going to write that wrong. That's a really interesting one to, uh, to bring up. And at 6k, it's not like, it seems like a great bargain given the way he's been performing. So I bet that the ownership's going to be down. I think that's a great call. I, I love it. I, I think a lot of people love chase Edmonds, 6,800 yep. uh, in that workhorse role. The only time we've seen him in that workhorse role, he got over 35 fantasy points. It was monstrous. It was beautiful. Uh, every time he's seen, you know, the, the work, anytime he's had more than 10 touches, he's put up at least 18 fantasy points. You know they're going to be coming in with at least 15 to 20. Yes, the, the concerns for Drake kind of exist here. The, the line's not great. They're using him up the gut and like out of shotgun. And it's, it seems ugly, but they also use chase in the creative, get him in space ways that we hope they would use Drake in. So if we, we mix that with another, you know, a handful of eight to 10 carries that Drake would have been eating. And then all the goal line work, uh, 30, I think what the Dolphins are 32nd, I believe in DVOA against the run. So even though the fantasy points allowed haven't been crazy, cause there hasn't been that many touchdowns on the ground, they can get bled. I mean, even Daryl Henderson was looking like he's going to run for like 200 yards last week before he went down. Yeah. So I like Edmonds. I think he's going to go crazy as everybody does, but I think at 6,800, we're going to get a monster performance. I like Chris Carson too at 6,500. Should he, uh, should he end up playing? He's going to be right around eight or so percent ownership as the original projections here. He's kind of a good way. If you don't feel like playing the, the locket and, and Metcalf roulette and you want to run back that bills, uh, you want to run back your Josh Allen stack that I like. 
I kind of like going with uh, Chris Carson on the other side at 6,500, even though lock at 6,800, very, very appealing too. He's going to be a little bit chalkier. I think he's the, the receiver I do target for those Seahawks. You know, one's going to blow up. It's just which one's catching two to three touchdowns this week. Uh, my guess is on Lockett because I'm facing him in two leagues and that's how it goes. I know he's going to score three touchdowns because that is always how it goes. Um, but yeah, th- those are kind of my mid price, the, the six to seven K Rangers. Um, you, you think Edmonds is in for the big, big tro- treat this week? What are your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, man. I mean, look, he's been someone that, you know, I'm sure I, I think we were both hyped him up when you came on the PFF fantasy podcast mm-hmm. in August. Like he has just stood out. It's been him, Latavius Murray, Tony Pollard, and Alexander Madison's like the true handcuffs, not like Kareem yeah. Hunt, like who actually has standalone value, but the true handcuffs, these guys that we've been hyping up really since the offseason. I understand when Madison came in against the Falcons, he had that dud, but I maintain if Cook actually missed consistent time, Madison would still be a top 15 back more weeks than not, maybe not the top five guy we start. Uh, but I, I digress on that with Evans this week I mean look the whole appeal for him was the fact that last year the Cardinals whether it was David Johnson Evans or Kenyon Drake it was a one back backfield and we haven't quite seen that this year but that's just been because Evans has been such a better and more dynamic receiver than Kenyon Drake so Evans is getting the early down work he already has the receiving work I think we see him get back to having this you know 80 90 percent snap roll mm-hmm. and okay if you know if you know Benjamin is more involved than we thought it's still going to be 15 to 25 touches for Evans in the spot it's you know Dolphins defense i believe is dead last in uh and run dvoa on uh, like so they have byron jones they have a great secondary but you can run the ball against them we saw daryl henderson having all sorts of success last week until he got hurt so yeah man chase edmonds i mean he's he might be good for a lock button i do think connor <sighs> interesting now i'm starting to debate it man yeah it's uh, connor i i would say as a slightly higher floor but you know Edmonds probably has that higher ceiling so get them both in there why not I, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say there's not that many great running backs on the yeah. slate and neither of those are projected to be that chalky so that could be the way just pumping those two in there I, like um, it. I, I love it yeah you mentioned one of my favorite five to six k running back or wide receivers that's Antonio Gibson at 5800 I, I think he just continues like you mentioned the bi-week bump for rookies I love um, and there's, there's a bunch of interesting receivers in that range too. Are there a handful of guys that you're like, yeah, I really like that, that player in this five to six K range. Yeah. Antonio Gibson, uh, as we were saying, I think he makes a lot of sense. And I'd say just Marvin Jones at 5,100, man, yeah. as long as Stafford is going to be out there. Like I am not buying the chase Daniel experience at all. If he's going to be uh, thrown out there to the wolves, but uh, <laughs> I do think uh, Marvin Jones, we've consistently seen in both, you know, this year in the first two weeks and then 2017 when Galladay was a rookie, like you take Galladay out of the lineup and Marvin Jones really does get a nice uh, target bump. So I think we're looking at eight or more targets against the Vikings secondary that, well, it was last year we went for four touchdowns against them. And that was when they had their 2019 cornerbacks. Now their 2020 cornerbacks already weren't very good. And now they're all hurt. So I just think yeah. it's a situation where, you know, fire them up against this Vikings defense. You know, not again, it's dependent on staff or being there, but only 5,100 for Mike uh, I, I, or for Marvin, excuse me, uh, I think just makes a lot of sense there in the spot. And I'd also say, you know, going back to that Titans Bears game, I mean, Corey Davis sitting there at 5,900. If you want to go Tannehill, AJB and uh, Corey Davis and then bring it back with A-Rob, that's a nice little contrarian tournament stack for you like we we can say good things about Corey davis and not take away from aj brown i think it's been like a robbie anderson dj moore situation where people just want to pick one both ryan Tannehill has been a top 10 quarterback over the past two seasons it makes sense that a top 10 quarterback can enable more than one fancy relevant wide receiver and while this offense still goes through derrick henry i believe they're let me check they're second or third in situation neutral 
yeah, they're third. Only the Cowboys and Cardinals move at a faster pace than the Titans offense. So yeah. that's the reason why they've maintained their run first identity. But Tannehill's passing more because they're running more plays because they know they can pass and run. They want more plays for this, you know, juggernaut of an offense they've kind of built up. So, uh, you know, even if you want to bounce, uh, bounce, you know, John New Smith bounce back uh, opportunity, yeah. not, not to get ahead of ourselves in the tight ends. But I just think this Titans passing game, I mean, we just – at some point, we need to accept that they're as good as they've really consistently been over these past few years. And I think uh, this is a spot where we could potentially uh, have some nice leverage by doing so. Absolutely. Love all those calls. They're, they're on my list. Uh, so you checked off a bunch of them. The only ones I would add at wide receiver, I, and it kind of goes back to your thesis on James Conner, is the Steelers receivers too. They're both pretty cheap. Deontay Johnson, 5,000. Uh, the dude's seen 10 plus targets in every full start except last week. So people are off him because of a dud last week and the injuries are worrying. Well, this is the first week he's been fully off the injury report. I think he's right back to his 10 target ways and 10 targets against the Cowboys for a talented guy at 5,000. I mean, that's to me, I, I don't understand how he's not the, the highest projected chalk at that point. But Claypool at 5,700 is looking mighty intriguing and Big Ben's coming in on under 5%. We'll talk about our sub 5% plays. He's a hint, my, my quarterback of that for sure. Uh, because if I love both those guys, I, I don't love the Cowboys to keep it competitive enough that I really want to go all in on Big Ben too. But I, I do think Claypool and Deontay could be a huge part of them building a monster lead. I'm um, both under 6K, especially again, Deontay at 5,000. It's just a money stack, uh, in my opinion. I love those guys there. Um, but yeah, now we will move on to i got another transition for you. The, the bargain hunters. <laughs> the production, production value of the uh, fullback dive is really skyrocketing, Mr. Hardin, <laughs> since the last time you were here. <laughs> I love it, man. I'm, I'm taking it back. I'm just, I can't handle all this. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's uh, you know, after you've seen us from our day one where we were literally like, <laughs> Internet connection on on Skype, like unable to talk. You you've seen the uh, the it was like a four man crew and stuff, man. We're evolving. We're evolving, exactly the, the crew is rolling, brother. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk now about our top bargain uh, plays of the week. So we will start with our sub five k running back. Uh, if you have one, if you have multiple, it's up to you how many you want to tout out. But but do you have a top bargain in mind at the running back position? It's pretty ugly this week. It's not a lot, but uh, what what are you looking at? I think it's Justin Jackson, man. I'm surprised yeah. he's not kind of fetching a little more ownership and stuff. I, I think it's because, like last week, having Troy Main Pope come, I think people are confusing this as a three RB backfield. No, it's Justin Jackson is the one. And instead of Kelly being the two, now we have a 2A and 2B. But it really doesn't change anything from Jackson. And again, this matchup against the Raiders, we've talked about this being a potential shootout spot. Like the Chargers, when they have Derwin James and Chris Harris and Joey Bosa, they're a great defense. But you take away all those guys, not mm -hmm. so great of a defense anymore. We know Herbert can put up points, but we just seen one kind of shootout after another. In these last four Chargers games, has been 69, 57, 68, and most recently 61 total points scored. So, you know, if they're going to be putting up those sorts of points again, we got Justin Jackson, who in his three starts this year, he's had 21, 11, and then 22 combined carries and targets. So I think we're trending towards that 20 uh, touch mark per week. Again, I'll just uh, couldn't ask for a better game script. I think Jackson, you know, should easily be treated as a top 20, maybe even top 15, just, you know, back independent of even you know what his price tag is so see him under 6k man sign me all the way up absolutely he's he's my favorite one as well right in that same range actually i think the same exact price dobbins at 4900 seeing that 15 yeah. carries ripping it for 113 yeah sure the chiefs are one of the better rundies i think the second fewest points allowed to backs but 
The Steelers were the most entering last week and they got steamrolled by this team. Um, the fast turf now. Now you got me all excited about the Ravens on the turf, man. Uh, I'm into it. I'm really into that. And then at the bottom of the barrel, if you're just looking for a punt, I'm Jordan Howard might fall into the end zone and get 60 yards at 4K. That ends up paying itself off if it happens, but pretty disgusting. I don't think I'm going to have to go that low in most cases because I, I love a lot of the mid-price values this week. Uh, but but Jackson, my favorite. Dobbins, not so far behind. And then McKissick in cast games, he, he seems to always catch like six, seven balls, and he's like 4,200. So uh, another name just to chuck out there. Uh, what about wide receivers? Do you have any sub-five wide receivers that you love this week? Yeah, definitely. I was checking on Sammy Watkins' status. I know he's returned to practice this week. I'd be a little bit more okay. Okay, Andy Reid said we'll see on Sammy Watkins. That helps a lot. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Miko Hartman actually did play ahead of uh, you know Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle for the first time all season. So you know this Chiefs Panthers game, kind of like last week against the Jets, like probably just weren't giving the Chiefs you know enough credit. I don't think the Panthers are going to be as dumb as the Jets and just consistently load the box and dare Mahomes to throw. Like yeah, that's a great strategy. Freaking Greg <laughs> Williams, that worked out. But uh, so I, I don't think they're going to do that. But you know Miko Hartman at four thousand eight hundred, we know it only takes the guy a few touches to me value. So if Watkins remains out, uh, we can go with Hardman, but otherwise, you know, mention the Broncos wide receivers, especially Judy. I, I'm, I'm in line with, you know, Scott Barrett, just in terms of Judy. Oh my gosh, man. Like few moments are more exhilarating when you're watching a Broncos game than after a Judy catch and you get that zoom into the wide receiver cornerback uh, cam. Cause this dude's route running is absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, and the last guy I would point out here in this range, just LaVisca Chenault uh, at 4,200. It's he's been a guy that's already getting like plenty of touches to be in this 4k range. And, you know, maybe they were even bringing up uh, how they kind of want to get him back to getting more true RB uses like he was before. I mean, him and our guy, Curtis Samuel, like who Curtis is going to be tough to trust this week because of McCaffrey being back and really taking most of the uh, RB workload. But the like the final prime form of these guys from a fantasy perspective that we would hope for is this like three to five carry workload with another eight targets per game. So I think Chenault, just by, you know, virtue of the Jaguars pretty much being done with this season, you know, just wanting to get him more involved. He actually could get that sort of role in a far less crowded offense uh, than the one that you know we're hoping for Curtis to get I, I, he's very intrigued the more and more you've talked about Chanel he wasn't much on my radar but w- when Marone you know entered the the bye week he said we're gonna get real creative and, and do things you haven't seen yeah I, I'm ever gonna take Doug Marone's fucking word like, <laughs> no but still like don't put it past this guy to trot Chanel out at quarterback for like eight snaps <laughs> do a bunch of wildcat like that's totally what wouldn't be shocked at all I uh, did plenty of it in college so we could get some wildcat action uh, Chanel is very if this Lutton Luton however even not, I have no clue how to say this guy's name he, 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 he hasn't earned it yet man like, <laughs> we'll figure out his pronunciation once he earns it yeah, we'll, we'll pronounce you when you earn it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's intriguing, though. It is intriguing. Uh, I, I love the Jew. I love all those calls. I also want to just highlight again John Brown at forty six hundred. Uh, this is what he's born for: is this type of secondary to just roast. You know, he's going deep for at least one score. He practiced in full for the first time in weeks. Uh, similar to Deontay. I love to see that for guys that like clearly have been underperforming due to injuries. When you finally see him get removed from the injury report, uh, if, if he's full go, he's going to roast the secondary. And then Darnell Mooney in that, that ugly stack we've hinted at that Titan <laughs> Chicago game that seems ugly, but I think could go crazy. If it goes crazy, Mooney's going to be a part of that. I'm third in air yard since Foles took over. Uh, you don't get points for air yards. I get it. But <laughs> if Foles can just connect on one of these for the love of God, Mooney's, 
running. I think you, you might have been you. Uh, I think it was you, right? You tweeted out like how many times Mooney's running wide open and like, bro, he's he had uh, double moves to get like filthy, like this wide open against Jalen Ramsey and right. freaking Carlton Davis. Like he is legit. They finally did link up on one last week, but yep. he had three of them, man, over these last few weeks that should have been gigantic touchdowns. It, Exactly. And and another one should be coming. At least he will roast the Titans corner. They're they're one of the more <laughs> secondary units. We'll see if he actually hooks up. Right. But they have the, the Titans are giving up the num the, the most points to number two receivers on the year. They're the second most points in general to wide receivers, but especially number twos. And I think it's pretty clear that is Mooney. Although Miller came in for what, like 12 targets last week too. So who who knows? But I, it's Mooney I'm putting the money on if I, I'm going cheap in that game. So I, I really like him. And uh, I really like it. Uh, John Brown. I'm sorry, I was going to say Antonio Brown, which I also do really oh, like yeah. this week, but cannot yeah. wait. Uh, you, you you mentioned one of my favorite sub four fives. I wonder if it's the same uh, guy you're going to highlight here. What about tight ends? Is there a guy under four or five that you're really liking this week? Ebron's right there at four or five. I think That's, he's viable. Counts. Yeah. Yeah. For the same reasons you were talking about with Deontay and Claypool. Like I do think it's a, it's a, a James Conner game if we just need, you know, to guess who's out of all these guys who's going to have it. It's just been so inconsistent otherwise. But, hey, you know, if we're building tournament lineups, like I think, uh, you know, you said you've been doing the Millie Maker uh, just lineup review. I think Deontay's already been in two uh, winning yeah. Millie Maker lineups this year. So, hey, maybe make a third. Maybe Ebron finds way in there. He has been playing, you know, a true almost every down role over these past few weeks. He was a little bit more scattered early in the year. So I'm fine going with Ebron. Uh, Hunter Henry at 4K. Again, you know, we just build all the stacks you want in this Chargers-Raiders game. And try, and try to, you know, get that just exactly right one. But Hunter Henry's kind of right there with Evan Ingram, where I think if, you know, you had told us before the year, like, hey, this guy is not going to have an injury uh, through the first eight weeks, like, just just so you know that, like, we're not going to tell you anyone else. We're going to tell you Hunter Henry is going to be perfectly healthy. We'd be treating the guy as a top five tight end, like, week in and week out. So production hasn't been there. But I mean, when we see Herbert throwing touchdowns to Virgil Green, these backup fullbacks, like the most random guys, only a matter of time before Hunter Henry becomes, uh, you know, that red zone guy and gets some big plays. So, you know, Ke- Keenan, Mike, that I get that stack, you know, the most alluring. But if you wanted to, you know, throw Hunter Henry there, probably in place of Mike, uh, I understand that. And the only last guy I make a point about is uh, probably Logan Thomas at third. 3,700 and hardly a matchup to fear against the Giants. They're not awful on defense, but just a game where, again, I could see the Washington defensive line making, making things problematic enough for the Giants that we see, you know, the Washington uh, able to put up points and kind of control this game. So Logan Thomas has been playing every down role all year. It's just, you know, with his inefficiency was brutal uh, when Dwayne Haskins was under center. We've seen him score in back-to-back games with Kyle Allen. It's not sexy. I get it. But, you know, in that Washington offense and the passing game in particular, I mean, it's Terry McLaurin and then pretty much Logan Thomas. And we got the running backs getting targets as well. So, you know, I'd say, I think it's worth paying up for this week, you know, going kind of under 4K. Things start to get iffy uh, pretty fast. But I do think there are some viable options in that specific 4K to 45 range. Absolutely. Uh, the only under 4K guy that I'm into this week would be uh, John o. Smith. I like Logan Thomas as well. I think, you know, back to back double point weeks with a uh, double digit point weeks, rather, with Kyle Allen. I like. Uh, and I do like John o. Smith. Uh, he's had three straight duds, so the ownership's looking low. Uh, but the the Bears are pretty locked down on the outside, as we said earlier. Uh, but they're giving up right around the ninth to tenth most against tight ends. So if there is a crack in that defense, uh, it's, it's against the running backs and it's against the tight ends. Uh, I think this could be the week we get Janu just finally bouncing back 
catching a, a touchdown, maybe even two. I just love, I really like that game because everybody's yeah. so cheap and I would not be surprised at all to see that game just go back and forth uh, or at least a huge lead. And then the bears kind of do their damage later. I, I, I like that game a lot. I just want to keep reemphasizing that. Um, and we already talked about drew lock. I was going to put on the value quarterbacks, but we hit drew lock. We hit Tua. is there any other quarterbacks you think worth mentioning or are those, those the two big ones there? It's Derek Carr season, man. Oh yeah, of course. He's, I keep forgetting he's under six K because he's a he's a legitimate play. What's his price this week? Uh, fifty seven. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he, right. he's under six K, man. He was, dude. His price tag last week was like insultingly bad. They had him as like a bottom four dude, so he's a little bit higher this week. But gotcha. even so, I mean, seeing Carr behind Bridgewater, Cousins, I mean, it's just that hasn't been the case really all season long. He was going into last week. I think mean, he was like the QB thirteen in fantasy points per game. And again, we just got to throw out that kind of weather induced Browns Raiders meltdown. Yeah. So Carr has been a borderline QB one all season. He already has five games this year with two hundred fifty plus yards and multiple touchdowns. He only had. Four Four of those games, all of 2019, and only three in 2018 and 2017. So truly, truly a new look uh, Raiders offense. We're talking about squeaky wheel games. Maybe we get that whole Raiders, uh, you know, team playing pissed off with some of these uh, violations and stuff that have been handed down to them uh, this week. So, you know, John Gruden's got the boys more fired up than ever. Uh, their fearless leader, Derek Carr, who, hey, Derek, you know, I'm saying nice things about you, man. You can unblock me on Twitter now. Uh, maybe he'll uh, be able to give them the performance they need. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll do my best to get this across his uh, eyes so you can get unblocked, dude. <laughs> I, I know uh, you're one of our, you know, 130, however many live viewers we got out there, Derek. Just do it. It won't take long. Yeah, right? You're, you're tuned in. You're tuned in, man. Absolutely. I love it. Uh, but yeah, that uh, Derek Carr, I completely forgot he was even under 6K because it is just a, a great smash spot. I like that a lot. That game is a great one to target, him and Herbert. I think that definitely smashes the over, too. Um, and the last segment we have for you guys here. Hold on. Oh, so dumb, but I love it. So dumb, and I love it. Our top contrarian picks, our sub 5%. uh, Do you have a handful of guys? I know we've, again, talked about a lot of our pivots, a lot of our guys we're into. Is there anyone you want to reiterate or uh, sub 5% guys? Because that's been the key is – the cumulative ownership, just to, to cite that article again, um, Levitin added up all the uh, the projected owner or the, the resulting ownerships. And the cumulative was typically for, for 20, um, 2020, it's been right around 75% to 100%. So it's got to be pretty low. And most lineups have had at least two, if not three, sub five guys. So are there any sub five guys that you're, you're into this week? Contrarian picks. Couple guys I think uh, could have, you know, some nice upside we aren't considering. Uh, one Corey Davis, as we mentioned him. Look, he's the wide receiver 16 in fantasy points for game this year. AJ Brown, wide receiver seven. Again, AJB wide receiver one season isn't going anywhere. Just realize that Corey Davis, you know, is also a guy that's viable, you know, to put up one of these big performances, particularly, uh, you know, I wouldn't say particularly against his secondary because they are uh, pretty solid overall. But again, I just think this Titans offense is good enough to win uh, this potentially tough matchup. Uh, Darius Slayton is someone we haven't really talked about, gets all the area. And I mean, if you watch that uh, Monday night game, I mean, he, he wasn't even getting some air yards, but you could just see on the screen where Daniel Jones looks the other way. And then you see Jones, you know, breaking loose, uh, finally on his double move. So the guy's been a downfield threat. Apparently, Golden Tate might be like a healthy bench. He hasn't been getting uh, a, a healthy scratch. He hasn't been getting a bunch of targets, uh, you know, over the past few weeks, even though he's been scoring touchdowns. So it would just be a decent boost. I am worried about, you know, how Daniel Jones lives up to this pressure. You know, talked about I like Gibson and the Washington defense stack a lot, mm-hmm. but 
You know, we saw in week one against the Steelers, Darius Slay went over 100 yards and had two scores. So that sort of performance is in his range of outcomes, even in these tough matchups. And, you know, if Jones can just find five or six times in the game to, you know, not get put on his back, I think uh, Slayton could make some big things happen. And then I wouldn't say Jonathan Taylor as someone that we should flock to. I would just point out how weird this Colts season has been, really, because I, I think I've seen some just, you know, uh, some reputable platforms talking about Jordan Wilkins, like this being his backfield now and all this, like calm down. They're not going to bench their freaking rookie and just all of a sudden start featuring Wilkins. Wilkins has, I think he's PFS number one back and forced missed tackles uh, per rush attempt. Taylor's at the bottom. I agree. Wilkins has by and far looked better. Jonathan Taylor is averaging more yards per carry and yards per touch. It's not like a situation where they've just been dreadful every time they give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. What has happened, man? So Marlon Mack goes out in week one. Since then, they had massive multi-score wins over the Vikings and Jets and the Bears, who scored like real late in the fourth quarter. And then they lost the Browns and Bengals, or they lost the Browns and the Bengals. Either way, in the first half of those games, they got down big and they were in the comeback mode. So those are Naeem Hine games. And then last week, they beat the Lions by 21. We have literally not seen one game game all season where the Colts have just been in this, you know, kind of back and forth, seven, 10 points. They've either gotten down by a lot. It's become a Naeem Hines game where they've gotten up by a lot. It's become a Jordan Wilkins game. So at some point, maybe, maybe not because it hasn't happened so far, but you would think in a game that is more back and forth, you know, they actually need to keep their foot on the gas for 60 minutes and they're able to keep running the ball. That is the type of game setting that we call neutral game script, but we just haven't seen that at all in India this year, but that would be the situation where we would expect Jonathan Taylor to put together his big game so you know maybe this one against the ravens could be that situation where we actually see him get 20 more touches we know people aren't going to be on him after uh, what's been happening but you know and again i'm not sitting here saying we need to go back to the well but more so like i, I still think he's going to be the guy starting still getting the majority of the carries in games uh that have reasonable game script it does seem like that could be happening here against the ravens defense that is down some guys so i know that there's you know a lot of injuries in the colts uh, wide receiver room and People were high on Hines and Wilkins after last week. Like Jonathan Taylor, at some point, I know he's just, you know, right now he's just being thrown the trash with the rest of these, you know, historical Wisconsin busts. But, you know, I still do think this could maybe, maybe, just maybe uh, be the under the radar spot that Taylor gets something going. I, I said that was so much, uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? So much conviction there. I, I don't want to yeah. pat myself on the back too hard. Really going out on a limb here saying maybe, just maybe. Maybe, but. just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How could you go in with any conviction on this fucking guy? Uh, oh, my God. Exactly. Like it's. It, it, I feel like I've been saying this is the week. This is the week. And But if this is the week, I want full credit for confidently. Uh, oh, we'll be clipping it. We'll, we'll send it on out. Yeah, definitely. This is the week predicted by Ian Hart. It's no yeah. doubt. Uh, but, yeah, you, we've already touched upon all my, my sub five guys. Just to reiterate some of the names either me or you have brought up, Big Ben, John Brown, uh, Dobbins, Marquise Brown, that squeaky wheel at 4% could go 150 and 2. I, I love that one uh, as, a, as another one to bring up. Darnell Mooney, we talked about only 3% projected right now. Logan Thomas, 3%. Antonio Gibson, 3%. So a lot of the names we've been kind of talking about, Jonu, 2.8%. Are, are guys that are coming in pretty low ownership. So just to reiterate some of those names uh, to keep in your, your mind there for all our listeners and our last segment here. So I know you got to get running in about five minutes or so hard. It's, but I think you will start the mailbag. You can kind of just, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say bye to you. I know you got, you got another show you, you got to run to, but you've, you cool to answer a handful of questions with me to start off. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. All righty. Uh, Latum season from Z Kelly at Layton, Latum, Ludum, wh- whoever the Jaguar, we don't know how to pronounce him and he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> so this is a tough one. Herbert or Brady with four point passing touchdowns. What do you think thinking of this one? I think there actually might be some weather concerns in the Tampa Bay game. If I'm not mistaken, I would want to check on that. It's a pretty good problem to have. I'm looking at my ranks right now. I have a Herbert as my Herbert as my QB seven Brady is my QB eight. So it's a fair question. I would lean uh, towards Herbert though. Again, we've been talking about this game all week. I don't think the saints Buccaneers is quite the same or all week, all, all, all for the last hour. We've been talking about the Raiders chargers game. Uh, I don't think the saints Buccaneers is nearly as fancy friendly. And let's face it. I mean, Herbert has kind of earned this weekly, uh, starting QB one treatment. Absolutely. It's funny. I have Herbert seven and Brady eight, literally there exactly we go. <laughs> in my rankings. Uh, and I love that matchup. I, I really do think that that Raiders chargers matchup could go crazy. So I'm with you. Okay. Cool. It says two goats. So what up? Yes, sir. Uh, we got a thumbs up. Sweet. <laughs> Darren Murray. Did I win? I got DK for Fournette, Gaskin and Rager. Yeah. Anytime yeah. you can trade. Yeah. Especially with Gaskin being yes. hurt now. You- <laughs> Straight up smashed him, curb stomped him. That's not even a win. That's just brutal. I mean, you agree, right? <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, look, we talk about – I'm a fan of, like, never vetoing, but that should have been a conversation at yeah. least uh, in that <laughs> league. <laughs> right? That's he's like collusion at that point. <laughs> uh, we got a lot of Herbert love there. Yeah. We got Mitch Chavez, my boy, turning in. Good to see you, Mitch. Uh, John or Henry, full PPR. You got a leaning one way or the other? I'm going Henry still. I, I think the spot's too good for him. John, but John, John his, his routes and snaps went up a lot more last week. I think that knee injury was kind of impacting how they were using mm-hmm. him. So I, I agree with you. John is a good uh, GPP call in that game, but I think just overall medium projection, I'd uptake Henry. Yeah, Henry might have that floor. I per- personally am learning, and I am higher on Janu by you know four spots in the ECR. So I am definitely leaning higher mo- uh, with, with Janu, but I personally lean Janu, but it, it's a, another Fair good call. At tight tight end, that's actually a good problem to have. I yeah. fucking started Jordan Reed's ass last night. <laughs> oh, I, no. I could backhand one player in the fucking league. Like, <laughs> I would smack that. He would whoop the shit out of me after, but I would love to just slap the fucking shit out of Jordan Reed. He's gone so fucking uh, too many. I, I'll the rest of the show. Will we have you? We'll be gone if I talk about Jordan <laughs> Reed right now. Fuck. Uh, Fusion full PPR pick two AJB CEH Jefferson AB tough tough question here I personally think I go AJB and Hilaire but I I like getting AB in my lineup here uh, I don't know where, where are you leaning on this one Harditz and this guy's like four team league man he's got to decide between these two how come all these guys aren't in the starting spot but you know I, I do think it needs to be AJB and Clyde Edwards one of the things I found I was talking before about that uh, you know how the Jets were just selling out I mean it was literally 45% I think of Mahomes' pass attempts last week came with seven or more defenders in the box that Bills game a couple weeks ago when everyone was like mocking them for giving up all the you know big runs to Clyde Edwards they took the ball out of Mahomes' hand that actually made sense they were at like 8% in that game the Panthers are a bottom five defense in terms like they're actually a smart defense in that they they want more guys back to protect the pass they don't load the box trying to stop the run but the chiefs when teams have been willing to you know put more guys in the secondary they run the ball so i think we see clyde uh, get back to having a solid week it it did seem like the Jets were like weirdly selling out to not allow a Le'Veon Bell revenge yes. <laughs> C- congrats guys you convinced Mahomes to the ball 42 times in three quarters <laughs> 
<laughs> well fucking done. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, yeah, that, that matchup though for Hilaire and all the points you bring up. Plus AJB is really tough to ever bench. Uh, yeah. AB could be the guy soon enough, but if you have a, a week to see it, I'd rather see it first. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I personally don't have that luxury. Unfortunately, he'll be in a lot of my lineups this week. Thoughts on Taylor? We kind of covered that one. Uh, we just haven't seen the right scripts. Maybe he rebounds in the right place. Maybe he doesn't. It's just, I, I don't know. If you can still get name value for him, I, I wouldn't hate selling him. But, yeah. Uh, would you ever? Would you buy him? Like, what are you doing with Harditz if you own Taylor? I was all about buying low on him going into their buy and during their buy because Wilkins have been hurt with the cap, but then he was, like, healthy and he still wasn't used. So it looked like we were actually transitioning towards two backs. Now with Wilkins, there, it's kind of like with Le'Veon being in KC where, like, Clyde's still going to have some value. I still think Taylor will have some value, but the top five pipe dream is pretty much out the window. So, yeah, yeah. If, if you can, you know, if you can sell low on him and still kind of get, like, a more consistent top 20 guy potentially, uh, I'm, I'm not against that. Absolutely. How your your uh, colleague Andrew. over here, yeah, Beth Andrew. What's up, brother? My Boston guy over here, Good Albert morning. O. Season. I don't hate the Albert O. Call. Big oh body, six God. six, runs a four four nine. But I, I could see Noah Fant getting healthier and healthier. It could also be Noah Fant season uh, this week too. <laughs> I, I, was on, I was on some pod, and someone like actually figured out how to pronounce that dude's last oh. name. I was like in awe. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's just not happening. He hasn't earned it yet, man. We've talked about this. Exactly. Oh, that, that is- <laughs> possible exactly he has not earned the right he could if, if erickson's prediction comes out here i can't guess right on the seahawks i'm playing david moore and cash there you go that's that's the uh that's the win there taylor we talked about uh don't think what does that say i don't think it's gonna stop famous last words as i play connor and he scores 13 <laughs> points <laughs> there you go that's how it goes sometimes <laughs> yeah we got double coming in with a bunch of these uh they dominate bad teams so bad they don't need to pass and then lamar presses against the good teams yeah that that typically happens Edmund feels like he's going to have big ownership right now he's projected for under 10 percent, but who, who knows I, I could see high ownership there it's not going to be like 30 or anything ridiculous which is good nothing crazy here Kyle Toons over on Facebook what's up brother any news on Ridley nothing other than he hasn't been practicing right I, I don't think he goes they have the buy yeah I don't think he's going to play either so let's give this we'll give you uh, one more here hard it's Parker Shepard E. Sanders pick two uh, what, what do you think of these guys? By the way, Ridley listed questionable, but has not practiced all week. So I doubt it. Uh, out of that group, yeah, give me Parker. I mean, is Sanders even going to be out there? Is he through the COVID thing? I think he's through it. Yeah, okay. I think he is. Either way, give me Parker and Shepard. Sounds like Michael Thomas is going to push through and play. That's what reports are saying. So at that point, it's just kind of tough to expect the targets to be there uh, for Manny Sanders. I like what you're saying about Parker. Like, he is the number one in Miami. If they're going to put up passing yards, like, it's, they should be going through him. And still in Shepard, I think it was uh, ESPN's Mike Clay who uh, pointed this out originally. This dude has at least six targets, like, going back to late 2018, uh, pretty much in terms of – like, they feed him when he is not getting hurt out there. I know Slayton's getting the air yards, but now you take away Golden Tate from the picture. We could be talking about Shepard getting more of his comfortable uh, snaps and targets out of the slot. So thank you, Kyle. I'm actually thinking more and more about Shepard now uh, that you brought this up. Exactly. Tate out too. All right, my man, I know this is your time. You got to get running. Do you want to remind our listeners where they can find your work, where they can connect with you and all that good stuff? Yeah, bro. Good talking to you as always. Thanks always. for having me on again. Uh, you know, truly one of my favorite people in the industry to always talk some ball with. But yeah, catch me on the uh, PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. New episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm watching every game, looking at every snap, trying to get you all the best information you need. You can check me on Twitter at iHeart. It's I-H-A-R-T-I-T-Z. Don't forget the Z. Uh, and we get some, you know, articles out every day. 
podcast every out every day. I live, eat, breathe, however, whatever order those are supposed to be in. Football is my life, and I, I try to make it as entertaining as possible. So thank you again, bro. Good talk, and best of luck to everyone in week nine. Absolutely, man. Cheers again. One of the ultimate bell cows in the industry, Mr. Hardis. Thanks so much. We, we always care, love having you. You're the best. Cheers, man. All righty, guys. I will keep ripping through your questions here. We left off at Tunes, but thank you once again, Ian Harditz. You're the fucking man. Uh, any of my followers that somehow don't know Harditz or don't follow him, he's one of the just most well-researched guys, one of the best sources of insight, but then also fucking hilarious. Uh, his memes and everything he comes up with is literally the best in the game. So make sure you're giving that guy a follow. He is an absolute legend uh, if you don't already. And Tunes, you're asking out of these guys, Parker, Shepard, E. Sanders, pick two, or do you go John Brown or Mooney? I kind of like sneaking in John Brown over Shepard, but I, I love all of Harditz's points on Shepard too. So Shepard, the safer play. I think Parker's kind of the lock here. Uh, I, I'm, I personally might work in John Brown, but that also I know might cause some, some pickup issues for you too. So Shepard's a, a very solid option if you don't want to have to deal with those headaches. Kay Coolip, would you rather have Taylor or Gibson rest of the season? I personally lean uh, Gibson. I'm done with the Taylor headache. I, I get the points for him bouncing back, but I don't buy it. I, I'm not into it. So, so give me Gibson. That's where I'm leaning. Best running back play for the week. Sorry, got a little in a little late. DFS. Uh, so, I mean, of course, Dalvin Cook is like the projected top play, and for good reason. Coming off a four touchdown day, the, the, you know, facing a Detroit team, giving up the second most points. All those points matter. But if you're going tournament, you obviously have to try to pivot where you got to pivot. I don't hate going to a little bit cheaper. Derrick Henry, uh, the matchup doesn't look quite as good on paper, but then he could be the pivot that ends up crushing it. Um, and it goes, if you have a classic 152 TD Derrick Henry day, which is well within his realm of possibilities, it's not like this defense is that great. I like going him. Uh, in terms of, I love Edmonds at 6,800 too. He's probably my like ultimate lock button compared to Henry. I think he's a great price depending on where the ownership slides in on him. Our contrarian guy, we love Gibson at 3% owned. Uh, both me and Harditz both love that call. Uh, I could see him being a great play, Mitch Chavez as well. If you're looking for more bargains too, let me know uh, what other type of plays you like. Um, but I love both those guys. And then Chris Carson at 6,500 should he play. Uh, seems risky, but when he's in, he's a tank. He's good to go. Uh, so I, I like him as well, Mitch. It's ugly 909 orbits. Good to see you, brother. Uh, Gallman, Wilkins, Josh Kelly, or an injured Zeke? PPR. That is ugly. <laughs> I feel like I have to go injured Zeke. I don't know when we get to that point. Like, fuck 909. That's tough. That's ugly. I, I think I'm going to go injured Zeke there. Uh, but let's see how bad it is. Like if it's like he's definitely on a snap count, he could be pulled early. Uh, and you want one of the others just as like, who would I go if I'm not going Zeke? Probably Gallman, assuming Freeman doesn't play, but he's practicing. So then that gets ugly. So if Freeman plays, then it's not Gallman. It would be Josh Kelly, I think. Oh, man, that's bad. It's not good. 909. Uh, it's not good. I don't mean to insult you or your team, but that's that's pretty bad. Uh <laughs> I was also starting Hasty and Kelly last week, so who am I to judge? And I won, so you'll get through this. Tough times don't last. Tough people do. <laughs> 909. All righty. Full PPR pick two for Flex Taylor. No. Wilkins, no. Oh, God. Tunes. Oh, come on. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, fuck. I don't know. None of these. What about John Brown? Is John Brown part of this? Uh, I don't know. Breed is officially out, too, by the way. Um, so Jordan Howard now a viable option. So interesting. I mean, maybe Jordan Howard over some of these guys. Like I don't trust Taylor. I would go Taylor in this case, just cause it's like the best talent maybe rises this week. 
And then I'd probably go Sanders. Uh, but if John Brown can be inserted, then, then insert. Fusion, haha, 10 team. Got Connor DJ at running back, A Rob wide receiver one. Like it. Got a lot of the guys uh, that, that we're shouting out here. Mitch, you never have to thank me. I thank you for always tuning in because you're the fucking man. Uh, yeah, as we said, Tunes, thank you for that note. Do you see Juju as a good play? So DFS, it's tricky. Uh, do I think he's a good play seasonal? Yes. Anybody against the Cowboys. Uh, and, and he has been looking much better. He's been more involved. They're putting him in on third down. He's making those tough catches, breaking tackles. Uh, Juju looks back. He's good. But he also still might be third on the target totem pole, and he's priced as the most expensive guys. Now, for DFS, I like him as a contrarian play, like if it's you're trying to differentiate. But me personally, I'm going to go to Claypool at 5,700 or even more so Deonta, uh, Deontay at, at 5,000. I think it's just egregiously mispriced. Uh, so I'm going those guys um, over Juju just because I think Juju's the third most appealing and he's the most expensive. But that's also going to make nobody own him too, Mitch. So that could also be the play there. Gus Edwards available worth the stream. I mean – not enough to drop somebody or get rid of somebody tunes. Nah, I think you just stick it out with Taylor and probably Sanders in, in my opinion. Alrighty. Well, back. Well, that's it. That wraps it up. The better value always, as Mitch says, um, I, I agree, but thank you guys so much. Wolfpack for tuning in. I won't be live. This is our DFS show. We usually do Saturday. Uh, I'm going to do it Friday. I might do Fridays from now on uh, just cause it, it gives me that weekend day to either do a lot of work in the morning or, to just enjoy and have a day off because I go live every fucking day of the week and I love it, but it might be good to get a day off every now and again. So maybe my mental, uh, maybe I won't need as many of these Mitch, right? <laughs> You're like, no, please stream and then drink them all. <laughs> I love you guys though. That's why I love doing it every day. Cause you guys are the best. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find me at Roto street wolf, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves is where all our work is. If you haven't checked out and you like daily fantasy please find my DraftKings gpp trends article all that good stuff it's probably one of the best things i've read on the written on the site uh, in terms of just value i think it could really help people uh, turn around some good dfs fortunes so hopefully you enjoy the show hopefully me and hard it's my man again thank you so much for coming on an absolute legend at i hard it's with the z at the end make sure you guys check him out all his work is pff um podcast is incredible too i guess carson's out jesus mitch i did not know that so definitely not a play breaking on here so dj dallas what do you got right back in the lineups this week uh homer's going to be back too so not as attractive but still uh, intriguing dj dallas now carson being out so thank you for that note <laughs> right in the middle of the sign off nothing like breaking news <laughs> wolfpack you guys have a great weekend thank you so much for tuning in uh we will be live at 11 a.m for the sunday fantasy football tailgate We'll answer all your sit starts, give you all this active and active catch-ups, and the rankings, of course, will be updated at RoastryJournal.com and on our app if you haven't downloaded it, Roastery Journal on your app store. Thank you, guys. Best of luck this week. Let's crush Wolfpack, win that DFS money, win those seasonal lineups. We'll see you on Sunday. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd. Take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 At least we stole the show
Action football right there, folks.